I was 13 hours away mm-hmm. and I had, there was absolutely nothing I could do. And I just remember asking, she's going to make it right. We're ma'am, we're doing all that we can. Hi friends. This is Brenda Yoder, your co-host of the midlife moms podcast. I'm excited today to talk about something that hopefully is going to make you stop in your tracks. The title of this episode is Handling Your Worst Nightmare. And I um, am honored to interview my dear friend, Jamel Godlewski, who's going to share a very recent story, or we're going to journey through it together to learn from her as a mom, how to handle your worst nightmare as a midlife mom. So welcome my guest, Jamel Godlewski. Hi, Jamel. Hi there. I'm going to try not to cry. Okay. Well, before we jump into this topic that is probably in the back of all parents' minds, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Um, You also are a podcast host and you are a recent graduate of a master's in evangelism and leadership program. And um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where our listeners can find you. All right. So, uh, yeah, 2022 graduate of Wheaton College, Master of Master of Arts in Evangelism and Leadership. And after starting and leading my own nonprofit for, gosh, I think it was 12, 13 years, Reason for Hope, um, I left there. And in 2023, January 1, was officially self-employed, started my Lead and Impact LLC. And you can find its website at leadandimpact.org. And it is a leadership and team development consulting and coaching business. And to go kind of hand in hand with that, because I love ministry, I have Jamel Godlewski Ministries. They all kind of go through the same thing. So you can find all of that at leadandimpact.org. I continue to do what I always did, but just in a different capacity. I guess I tell people that my goal in life is to, my mission is to impact and influence others. And the title of my podcast is Finding Hope, Joy, and Purpose. So that's basically what I do. If I get paid for it through consulting or coaching, great. If I don't through ministry, great. God provides no matter what. So that's kind of what I'm doing. All right. Thank you so much, Um, Jamel. And I've seen that in your life. We've known each other probably for about um, about the same amount of time, about 11 or 12, 13 years. And we have journeyed through a lot of ministry together. Um, But we're going to talk really today about your role as a mom. Yeah. Um, One thing you didn't mention, Jamel, is that you have been an advocate for mental health. Yes. And you have done incredible outreaches and education and call to action concerning mental health. But this past year, really what I saw from an onlooker standpoint, as your worst nightmare as a mom of seeing um, one of your children have a mental health crisis. Yeah. Because um, this is very personal. And so we don't want to share, we don't need to share all of the details of 
um, this story because it does belong to you and your, and your daughter, but what would you say was your worst nightmare even before it really happened? Well, yeah. So obviously I share my own life story of struggling with mental health, not really struggling, but overcoming and learning coping. And that's what I've been teaching and spreading for over a decade now. And my daughter has always been, um, we live in the Jesus and therapy world. So we believe in that. And she has always shared her struggles with anxiety and how she's overcome so much. Like she's overcome so much. And so um, I thought in my mind, that worst phone call is always your kid gets their, their car keys, right? And they go off in their car into Never Never Land and the knock on the door, right? That's how I always envisioned that's the worst nightmare. And I know people who have went through that. Mm-hmm. For me, my worst nightmare was the phone call that Callie had overdosed on her own medication purposely. And not just that, I was 13 hours away and I had, there was absolutely nothing I could do. And in the midst of that, in the first few hours, it was... I remember talking, finally getting through to a nurse. One, she's my child, but she's 18. Mm-hmm. So then there's that weird thing of she's an adult child. And what do they tell us? And what don't they tell us? And blah, 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 blah. Finally, I'll never, I mean, talking to a nurse on the phone in wherever she was, in whatever hospital she was, I don't know. And I just remember asking, she's going to make it, Right. We're, ma'am, we're doing all that we can. Mm -hmm. So let's just stop there a little bit to let (laughs) our listeners kind of understand and let you catch your breath a little bit too. But your worst nightmare, um, when I experienced um, seeing it happen from afar as your friend receiving the text that exactly what you have advocated for all of these years, which are healthy coping skills for mental health. Um, helping kids not suicide. Like that right. has been your passion. Oh, that, yes. That like everything you've done for years has been to help teens and to help people, um, but especially um, kids and especially help them take care of themselves. So when you as a mom then did get that phone call that your daughter was had experienced an overdose, not from drug use, but from an attempted suicide, what was going through your mind? What was your conversation with God during those moments? You know, I've told people that I don't even know if I remember praying because, you know, you're slightly hysterical. You know, the one thing that I continue and have always, and I teach in my leadership is you have to have people. So immediately I called two people and they came to my house because I could not function, right? I can't think clearly, whatever. They are literally doing things for me because I can't focus and literally praying with me. 
and then making a key phone calls to my circle, right? My key circle, you you send it on to the other pe- people in those circles, right? God, don't let her die. I mean, it was not any, like, that's my simplest prayer. Never did I think to myself, oh my gosh, how could this, ha-? I'm the one that speaks about it and now it's happened to me. Those thoughts actually never came to my mind. I never was like, what did I do wrong as a parent? Thank God I didn't have those thoughts. I know my daughter's heart and I knew that she had kind of spiraled that day through some texting. Never would I have imagined that. Mm -hmm. Um, The only prayers that I remember from the whole first 18 hours is I remember I was on a flight. I had just transferred flights from, I was on going from Charlotte to Savannah and the ICU nurse at a new hospital because she got transferred to a much larger trauma unit had called me to ask if they could put a central line into her heart. Yes, for God's sakes, yes. Save my daughter, do whatever it takes. I know I yelled at her on the phone and I'm pretty sure half the plane could hear me. And all my prayer was, was, and I'm just being totally honest, was Jesus, if you can take my life instead of her, take me. I think probably a lot of parents would say that, right? And then I'm a single mom. I've been a single mom for years now. My daughter's my only daughter. We have lived life to the fullest, the last you've seen us. Yeah. And so I said to God, okay. This is a two for one deal. If she goes, I go. I can't live without her. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest. Those were because I could not imagine my life without my daughter. Sure. That was my prayer. And then I honestly believe it was the prayers and the faith of other people because I, well, one, I was obviously exhausted because I was up for, you know, 20 something hours. But I don't want to say my faith wavered. My first thought was Jesus, but you're scared. Yeah, you're scared to death. I'm scared to death. I, you know, pleading, pleading with with God to just don't take her. And I don't even know, you know, I, I don't know if you can pray to angels or pray to other people, but, you know, my mom has passed away. My dad has passed away and my daughter's grandpa on her dad's side has passed away. And I'm like, mom, don't you let her in. I don't know if you can say that or not. Mom, don't let Callie come to heaven. Like, you know, you're just everything and anything you can think of. Mm-hmm. And I just, and and also I just kept praying, Callie, please fight. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, fight, fight, fight for your life. I, what I know about suicide and the many people and young people that I have known is I don't believe any of them actually wanted to die. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to feel the way they feel. Right. And I know my daughter, my daughter doesn't want to die. So Callie, you're going to have to fight now to live is what I'm thinking in my brain. Mm -hmm. She's please, please, please fight to live because your life is literally on the line. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was my prayers. The first 
18 hours. Yeah. And you, you had that time where you were separated from her. So she was just for context for the listeners is that she was on a trip several states away, helping a friend. Several states. Yes. And so it, it did take almost a day for you to get there to be, to be with her. But as I'm hearing you say, you were, you were really praying all of these thoughts and feelings and willing, you were willing, trying to will these things into her. But that's really, I think what God asked us to do, you know, it says that the the Holy Spirit groans the words that we are unable Mm -hmm. to say and to do. And, um, I think your honesty really meets any, any parent who may face that situation that they think is their worst nightmare and that they could never handle. Um, reality is, is that we do have to handle it when it happens in the moment. Um, right. You talk about the community that was around you. And I know in, um, in, in, watching you walk through this, that God really did intervene in so many different places. When did you first start seeing those tangible prayers being answered? What, what, what were some of those just even give us a highlight? I know (laughs) it's crazy. It is crazy, but so literally right off the bat. So when I, I had friends that came to my house And then they had to go home because they were going to take me to the airport the next day. I had another friend come over because, of course, I can't sleep. So I get to the airport. I'm in Fort Wayne. And I had to change flights right away. Anyway, I'm on on the back seat of a plane and I'm beside a mom that has a toddler. All right. A little girl. Of course, if you've ever flown before, two-year-olds on a flight, not always fun. So she's very... Oh, not since she's a two-year-old and, you know, I'm trying to not be hysterical. So I'm kind of crying in and off and making phone calls. And the mom turns to me and she goes, I don't know why you're going to Charlotte, but I'm going to Charlotte because my grandma died. And I go, well, I'm going to Savannah eventually because my daughter attempted suicide. And so we cry together for a few minutes and she's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. So we both kind of did our own thing. And during the flight and her daughters, and I said, you know what? If she wants to climb on my lap, I don't care. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I remember flying with my two-year-old and it was kind of a, it was kind of a distraction for me. Mm-hmm. And I found out she was from Warsaw, Indiana, and she's originally from Charlotte. Long story short, we, we get to Charlotte, we land. And I turned to her and I said, you know, I really felt like God put you on this flight for me, you and your daughter, because it was a really good distraction for me. And she said, I know God put me on this flight because I was supposed to be on last night's flight and I missed it. Mm-hmm. And then she grabs my hands and starts praying for me. Are you kidding me? My next flight, I go hysterical. The stewardess looks at me. And she goes, ma'am, is there anything I could do for you? (laughs) I kind of yelled back, pray for my daughter, pray that she lives. 
So we got up in the plane and she comes down and she sits beside me. And I'm telling you, she goes, there's one thing I can do. And I know how to pray. The stewardess. We land and there was another guy in my, my row. And he says, I don't know what's going on. Very calm. I don't know what's going on, but I know you need to get to the hospital. Um, I'm going to take you to the hospital. So when I say God was there, like answering prayers that I might, I didn't physically say these words, but he was there yeah, acting and ahead of me. He was literally true to his word, literally true to his word that he had went ahead of me to prepare a way. The ICU nurse, Corey was unbelievable. I had to rent a car that there was no rentals. And I had to keep going back saying, oh, I'm going to need another day. Oh, I need it this time. You know what? What if I actually just drove this car to Indiana? What, what you know? What would you do? They didn't charge me hardly anything. They just said, ma'am, don't worry about it. It's taken care of. You just don't even worry about it. You just tell us where you leave the keys and we'll figure it out. Like, who are these people? <laughs> so um, let alone the angels I consider the people that were here my angels mm -hmm. because I was moving at the same time. I was closing on my house. I had two dogs and there were people that were here in LaGrange, Indiana that just did things. Mm -hmm. I did not even ask. They Finally, after I was home for like a week, I asked a couple people that I knew and I said, can you tell me who were all the people that were like, who moved me? <laughs> the body of Christ is unbelievable. And one of the things that I, I felt like I experienced in unbelievable ways, besides just, you know, when Callie opened her eyes and all the doctors and nurses kind of looked around like, you know, what's she doing? This Her eyes are open. And then she started writing on my palm to talk to me. And at one point she said, I love you, mom. And so then they're like, well, I guess we can take the ventilator out. <laughs> and they did. And um, when she could finally talk, she started to, you know, well, what, what's going on? Right. And we tell her and she starts crying and she's like, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. And then just, all of it was just a miracle after miracle after miracle. And the people that were praying, and I told my daughter, I said, Callie, I am very confident that there are hundreds of people praying for you. Potentially thousands of people that we don't know. I know that for a fact. And the interesting thing is, is as you see so much nonsense in the world, in churches in the world. I had Methodists praying. I had global Methodists praying. I had Mennonites praying. I had Pentecostals praying. I, you know, people that they're not even sure there is a God, but I'm going to pray because that is the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is what the church, the church 
is supposed to be doing when they see one of their own. And I don't mean a member of your church or your small group. When another person, human being made in the image of God is hurting, we are to lift them up. And then I experienced that firsthand. My daughter did. I'm still blown away by it. Well, it is. And, and, uh, and I've seen that through it. In fact, you're, um, you're one of um, a handful of people that just this summer, as I saw God work in your life and in this situation, it strengthened my faith so much. Um, And we've only got a few minutes left here um, on our recording time. So I do want to move forward to the realities of um, you went through that experience, God performed all these miracles and, and you, you and Kelly both received his care and his love and his tangible presence. Um, but then after those big events happen, then we have to go back to real life and we have to figure out, okay, how, how do we rebound from this right. very traumatic event? And we've only got about five minutes left here, but um, we are still celebrating with you because she was a graduating senior and ready to go to college. And all the odds would say she probably wouldn't be able to do that. But where is she today? She's in college. She's in college. Far, far away from me. And I had many people, you're going to let her go to college. Well, one, she'd always been in therapy. So redo the treatment plan revisit with a psychiatrist right gets that was never a question get a plan you know we have a plan we're meeting with professionals we're talking about how do we move forward out of this crisis Mm -hmm. separately i go to a therapist Mm -hmm. she goes to a therapist we're all getting our own help Mm -hmm. okay um and they're all believing no she's okay to go we've got a good plan You know, I walked with her through the steps of you have to find a therapist at college. She already knew that, but she's an adult. I can't make phone calls for her, but I can sit with her while she emails and researches therapists and she sets up phone calls and interviews. And then she talks and she finds one on her own. So we humanly did everything you can humanly do to set up for success. I felt like we had done that prior to this event, right? Done everything we should. You know, one of the things my therapist said was like, we can't look back at the trauma and try to figure it out. You have to move forward from the trauma. And so that's what we've continued to do. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important. And I think especially for midlife moms listening to this, that there's so many parts of this story that we really could spend quite a bit of time on, but I think as we finish here, that last part that you just shared was really, really important because I think as moms, when we go through our worst nightmare um, and we experience a traumatic event, and even when it comes out on the other side, we still want to hold those reins of control and we still want to protect our child. But I loved what you shared, which was a beautiful example of walking alongside and um, not stealing the struggle or not being codependent, but of really helping our adult children to be able to handle their own crises, which is 
you didn't make the phone calls for her, but you sat there beside her and you set her up for success. As we finish here, I just think that that is so critical. One is that you said you were setting her up for success before the traumatic event happened by years of helping her with her anxiety of having her mm-hmm. go to therapy, all those things. And yet the, the, the worst nightmare still happened. Right. And then afterwards you don't dissect that. You don't go back to that, but you look at what you need to do next in order to move forward and to continue walking in a place of health and security and safety. Um, if you could say something in one minute or less for that mom who really is stuck in her own anxiety about her adult children's worst nightmares, right? What, what what would you tell her, especially when she's so fearful of something that may happen? One, we have to feel those feelings. All right. You have to feel them, but we need to me, we need to feel them within a circle of support. I call it my circle. Who are the circle that I am going to call and say, I'm freaking out. Who's the circle that I'm going to call and say, I don't know if I can get through this. Who are those people? We are not meant to go through these things alone. There is no shame in the fact that our kids struggle. There's no shame. Doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. It's okay to reach out to tell other moms, close friends, Hey, myself and my child are going through this. Mm-hmm. I need, I need some support. Yeah. And I think that that really is critical because you and I both know, even before this event, that bad and comfortable, tragic things are going to happen in the life of our children. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen for a long time. Sometimes it happens simultaneously. Sometimes it happens one after another. Um, and I love I love that advice of feeling the feelings and having that circle of support and then also not blaming yourself and taking that on. Um, Jamel, thank you so much for sharing this. And thank you to Callie um, for also being willing to share a little bit of her story. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again on the Midlife Moms podcast.